here on the First Cut Podcast with Kyle Porter. That's Kyle Porter. I'm Chip Patterson. Kyle, we've got the RSM, and I I don't know what RSM stands for. I don't either. Uh, I... I, I... I what? could give you a co- I could give you a collection of corporate buzzwords that might fit the RSM. Uh, so, all right. So, uh, this is the last PGA Tour. <laughs> this is this is the finale of the PGA Tour 2018 calendar, but yet not the conclusion of PGA Tour sanctioned events for the calendar 2018 year. How does that work? Well, and it's part. It's like part of next se- the 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 season that concludes in the next calendar year. So. Let's try to make that more confusing. Right. Um, you know, I, I, I'm not super interested by the tournament this week. What I am interested by is what the – because I think this is sort of the uh, collateral damage. Maybe that's not the right term, but uh, from the new schedule is like what is next fall going to look like? Are you are, are you essentially just moving your season up to – so right now the fall season starts in October, first week in October, right after the Ryder Cup. Do you move that up to the beginning of September to where you're just – you're simply filling weeks. You're just calling it something different. Mm. I think I think that's going to be super interesting, and that has absolutely nothing to do with the RSM Classic, but it's something that I was uh, kind of thinking about this week as I was writing previews and, and kind of thinking about the entire rest of the year or rest of the season. I guess I shouldn't say year. Um, we've got uh, it's, it's time to start talking a little bit about the Tiger Phil match. We'll do that later. We'll talk a little bit about what your uh, picks are, your thoughts are for uh, the tournament this weekend. Uh, but it, golf, golf world is all hubbub about Rory McIlroy. Um, the, <laughs> his, his potential captaincy, like, how over under of number of Ryder cups that Rory is the captain for, I'm going to set it at one and a half. I think you have to go under just cause that's been the, the standard has been one, like one? You just get okay. one and done. But right. if, if there is somebody uh, from that sort of generation that gets multiples, I think it'd be him. I think Sergio, uh, I could see getting multiple. The, the problem is there's so many guys that are like between 30 and 40 right now that you're like, wow, that guy's going to, that guy could get, I mean, there's just so many like kind of Ryder Cup legends, Henrik Stinson, Justin Rose, Sergio, uh, Rory. I mean, there's just, there's a lot of guys that you start running out of Ryder Cups. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I think that, I think that he'll eventually get one, but the hubbub that you're talking about is that he's, he's leaving the European tour. Yeah, Maybe. Or maybe not. I don't, I don't even think he's go- like essentially what he said was I'm going to focus on the PGA tour. Oh, so this is all fake news. It might be fake news. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, set me straight. So he, he said, I'm leaving the PGA or I'm going to focus on the PGA tour. And I don't know where that leaves me for next year. So what happened with the, the PGA tour uh, or, or the uh, PGA championship moving to May you get this front-loaded PGA Tour schedule and then a back-loaded European Tour schedule. So the European Tour's answer to the PGA Championship moving to May was to put all of its big events in uh, August, September, October. Mm. And so Rory's, bas- Rory's basically saying, I don't know what I'm going to play in uh, August, September, October. Right now, he said he's only slated for two European Tour events. Now, he has to get to four uh, to to retain his card or whatever. He has to get to four European Tour non-majors, non-WGCs. That's not that hard. 
Like he's already playing in two, and, and you've got all these these great events in the fall. You got the French Open, you've got um, what else? Do you have Spanish Open, you've got BMW PGA Championship, which is their players' championship. You've got, I mean, there's plenty of places that he could play. I'm I'm unconvinced that he's not going to play, uh, you know, at least four uh, to retain his European card because I, is he going to stay in the in the U.S. Is he going to play like the the Houston tournament in the fall? I mean, I don't. <laughs> I don't think so. No, like, I, no. I, just, I mean, yeah, you're you're basically putting money on that even if this is a thing next September, Rory will just get up and go play golf for a weekend to make it a not a thing. Yeah, and th- so the fallout from that is like if you don't retain your European Tour card, then you don't get to play in the Ryder Cup. Well, who cares next year? There's not a Ryder Cup. It doesn't matter. Now, the bigger fallout, I guess, is that apparently there's a rule that if – you don't retain your you, like you have to keep your European Tour card every year. You can't forfeit your card by not playing, and still be a Ryder Cup captain at some point in your career. So the idea is like to keep guys in the European Tour fold. Well, guess what? Like it that literally means that's a rule that literally means nothing. The European Tour has been changing Ryder Cup rules for the last twenty years to shoehorn in their biggest names and their best guys. The, 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 the European Tour will literally rewrite the rule book so that Rory can be a captain someday. It, it, it's, it, doesn't, it literally means nothing. I mean, America looks at it and is like, oh, that's how it's done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Like, yeah, let's see. Let's let's keep let's keep writing in new rules uh, so that they we can we can just sort of adjust this as need be. Yeah, and and what happens? I mean, the, the, the Ryder Cup is so important to the European Tour, right? They get, uh, I, I think, like 100 mil every time it's, it's, uh, takes place over there. Just from revenue, just all of this TV money and revenue generated. It is, it is what, you know, it's been speculated that at times that's what keeps them uh, going. That's what keeps them afloat is all the money that, that comes in from the Ryder Cup. They will, they will do nothing to jeopardize any of that. And so I just, yeah, I saw some articles talk about, well, this could be, you know, Rory might not be captain someday. It's like, well, they just rewrote the rules to say, to like lower the standards in terms of how many events you had to play. Like they, they literally did that last Ryder cup. Like they're, they're not like the, 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 the standard will be, well, you have to retain your card every year and play four events. Or if your name's Rory, then you, that you can be in too. (laughs) Right. Like that, that's literally what they'll do. Uh, it does, it, it's, it's, it's completely meaningless and, uh, something that I would imagine Rory probably, probably laughs about the, uh, especially someone who, and I, I know that we talked about it on here, but just someone who by all accounts is such like of a, a core of that artichoke, you know, like he's just, he, he was the one that was in the car leading the charge on the prank, uh, yeah. about the cryogenic chambers. I mean, I just, I, I don't I don't see them allowing that to happen where a Ryder Cup would come and he wouldn't be a part of it. It is it is pretty fascinating. He has so much power when it comes to the European Tour. I, I mean, he, he's really it's LeBron. He, Yo, that is LeBron of the European Tour. Yeah, and it, and it's and it's I think there's almost more power with him in the European Tour than there is with like even uh, Tiger and and the PGA Tour. Even when he was in his like. In, in the heart of his prime and I don't I don't totally know why that is or if that's even true I, I have no idea that's just the way it seems to me 
Um, so yeah, I don't know. It's just, the whole thing feels like, you know what I think the bigger story is here? Chip? What? I think the bigger story is that you, you have a, it, like him doing this kind of brings to light the situation you have now, which is that from January to, uh, July, beginning of August, you have like a legit PGA tour kind of condensed a little bit. That's really, really strong. And then from uh, essentially the open, which is in July to October or November, you have a legit European tour, which is really, really condensed and strong. And so in the fall on the PGA tour kind of stinks. The spring on the European tour really stinks. And what you have is this kind of through line that it would be very easy to make this kind of world tour that goes from January to November. Um, Rory, Rory apparently brought this up last year. I didn't remember this, but it was in an article I read today about how, what if the PJ tour just bought the European tour? What would that look like? Mm. I have no, I, I have no idea if that's even remotely on the table, but you have a schedule now and scheduling is a lot of this, right? It's sponsors. It's all these different things that, kind of aligns itself to where you're like, oh, okay, yeah. I mean, I yeah, that's interesting. I could see that. And, and it doesn't, you, you get uh, this global product that is not interfered with on the U.S. side with football in the fall. Uh, I don't know. It'd be pretty interesting. I am firmly against this. I don't want any part yeah. of that. Yeah. I mean, I get why. I've been for it. Uh, I think it's sort of a... See, so uh, I would argue that what you have is you've got a schedule that's great for golf fans. Like the diehard golf fan has 11 straight months of really, really good entertaining golf tournaments to watch. But I think that the independent tours are already cannot be trusted enough to start eating each other up and merging. Yeah. And, and I, I get it. Like we've, I've been on this podcast arguing against more tournaments and what you would, you wouldn't be getting more tournaments. You would, you would be getting a, uh, if you did it right, you should be getting a better schedule. And so I don't, I don't know if that's really going against my previous argument, um, as much as it is like status quo, just with different names on the tournaments. I'm for it. I think it's, I think it's a little bit of like a, um, like a like a golf snobbery attitude to be for it because you're like oh yeah i want to watch golf in spain and england and when the reality is like it's it's hard to watch golf for 11 straight months you know <laughs> like it's just like it, it sounds like it sounds great in theory i promise you it's not kyle porter cried from the uh depths of his shed in the backyard yeah. It sounds great in theory, and then you're you're like on the third round of the Portugal Open. You're like, ah, I don't, this is not as good as I, I thought it would be. <laughs> I agree. I wholeheartedly agree. <laughs> yeah, it's hard. It's a lot of golf. Yeah, I I I think that they need to. Everyone should exist. Like I understand for Rory McIlroy how it becomes tough and how you do end up having to. Like Rory's probably looking at it like, well, great. Now I've got, uh, you know, eleven months where there are there's going to be sponsor sponsors yeah. in your ear to show up, and yeah. that's that's a lot of time already for a player who has uh, undergone the kinds of injuries and rehabilitation that he has. So I just I I understand how that becomes maybe a little bit more difficult to manage, but uh, but yeah, I I like it as a golf fan. That's sick. It's awesome to be able to to run it that way. Yeah. 
Yeah, for sure. So that that was my biggest takeaway from the Rory thing. I, I just and the fact that he's like it was it was kind of not weird, but it was interesting that he was like, I, I want to focus on the PGA Tour. That's where the best golf is. He really didn't. I don't know if he needed to say that. That's kind of what he's already doing. He's only playing, uh, I don't know, like five European Tour events a year. So he's going to take that down to like two or three or I think four. Um, it's just, I don't know. It was kind of. I don't know. It was just, it wasn't what I expected, I guess. All right. So what about, uh, let me get my tinfoil hat on real quick. Do you think that there's just some behind the scenes spite, just some European tour official and Rory got into a disagreement about something and he knows that none of this means anything, but he can say it and it'll get under their skin. Maybe that was that. I don't know. Like, isn't that the, isn't that the best potential scenario of all this though? Well, but the, the weird thing is like, the change in the schedule should benefit somebody like him. Like he, so he usually plays in the middle East in January. He's not doing that. He's going to Hawaii instead. And then what the European tour is European tour has basically done is take all of their great events and just put them in August, September, October when somebody like Rory is, is done with the PGA tour. He can go play him and he doesn't have to go back and forth between Scotland and, uh, California and Ireland and Florida and all these different places. So it should theoretically benefit the Justin Roses, the Henrik Stensons, the Rory McIlroys, the Tommy Fleetwoods of the world who can be more focused and, um, you know, specific in, in the way that they choose events. But I don't know. Apparently he's just choosing to go a different route. Mm. Uh, so we're going to be going to Sea Island this weekend uh, a place where a lot of the there's a, there's a lot of the golfers who who's who from our field lives in Sea Island. Uh, the Sea Island Mafia, as Tron calls it, is that it? I think it's uh, I think it's uh, Zai Johnson, Matt Kuchar, Kevin Kisner. I think it's that crew. Ooh, okay, and they're all playing. It's like the crew that golf fans are like nah, okay well, like they're like easy to make fun of but like <laughs> but like within golf like the those guys are like super respected you right know? right i think Mo- that, mostly because they're a- all like very respectable from everything that you've been able to tell yeah i think that's a pretty interesting dichotomy like it's so easy to like make fun of zach johnson who by the way has uh won the masters in the open at st andrews but like i think <laughs> right. if you go if you go if you go talk to uh like Jordan Spieth or, or like Fowler. Like, I think those guys really respect and like Zach Johnson, which is just, it's kind of a weird dichotomy. I, all right. So I think that because, uh, like I, I think about those guys as like, Oh yeah. My, my dad's going to talk about how Zach Johnson just has a little something that he can't help but root for. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right. You know, it's just like you're just appealing to a different demographic. And as golf continues yeah. to get younger, someone like a, a Matt Kuchar or a Zach Johnson, you know, kind of kind of stand out as a foil to that younger, uh, expanding young star generation. Yeah, it's like if if uh, Cameron Champ and, and uh, Zach Johnson get in a playoff this weekend. Like no, nobody my age is rooting for, for Zach Johnson, but like my dad probably is. Oh, absolutely. He's like, get this, get this college kid off my, right. off my team. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Um, that's a, that's that is one of those, like you look at you look at Zach Johnson especially, 
and when he when he puts on the oversized mitts and when he's when he's got all the gear you just you <laughs> the just glasses yeah i mean you just know he's leaning into it right yeah yeah okay good yeah for sure all right for sure and much respect to him i love the swagger yeah. like well and i i like i like zach i think that it's it is easy to make fun of him like the whole the shinnecock thing where he said they've lost the course like that <laughs> whole deal but i i just and i think this is where the spieth and fowler and like even tiger stuff comes in like i think they really respect like he's a pro right yeah like he's absolutely old, he's, he's always prepared he's always ready he doesn't have the best stuff but he always like he's had a great career and I think that other guys really have a lot. I mean, it's the same thing when you look at somebody like. Hey, listen, Jim, Zach, Zach Johnson's a Hall of Famer. Yeah. Oh, yeah, easily. For sure. Yeah. Uh, it's the same thing when, when you talk to those guys about a Furick or a Stricker or somebody like that, that, that I think the, the mainstream golf fan is like, nah, I mean, I guess, like whatever. But like people within golf are like, yeah, that, that guy's the man. Like he is, he's a pro, you know? And uh, I don't know. I think that's. I think that's an interesting aspect or side to this that uh, golf fans don't get a lot of times. What's the one thing that you have experienced or heard about Zach Johnson that you think would surprise listeners the most? <laughs> like, I think that he is, uh, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't know of anything that I, that I can reveal. I feel like I've always I've always read him as a, a pretty honest interview. And I always like that. Like that to me from my perspective is endearing. Like my what I what a tr- what attracts me to an athlete has absolutely changed because of my work. And when I see someone who's like, I don't know, Zach Zach Johnson in the in the times that I encountered him, I was like, "Oh, all right. Cool." Yeah, I the, the, I'll tell you a story after after we're done with the pod that I can't tell on here. But I I think the one thing that's what interesting a brutal is he, tease. He is well. I I just I yeah I I can't tell it on here. But listeners, I might um, tell y'all later. Yeah, I'm sure they're here for like all the hot Zach Johnson takes. But I think that he is somebody who, as disciplined as he is on the course, like I think that he what you just said, like him being honest. I think he struggles to, and as a producer of hashtag content I love this but as somebody who uh, has said some incorrect things or written stuff that I wish I wouldn't have written I think he has a hard time like uh, filtering out what just from talking to people that are to to people that are close to him he has a hard time filtering what he says and so you end up with the Shinnecock moment where it's like yeah you maybe could have like you know stuffed that one away saved it for like a, a text to your friend or something like that no, I like it. I want it. Yeah, I, I do too. We I need we I mean that's that is like let's let's have as many of uh as many of those in the mix as possible. Um Oh yeah. We did yeah, a little bit sure. of a preview of your uh things that you learned. We talked a little bit about it last week. Was there anything that stood out? And by the way, you can still go see that on cbssports.com. Five things we learned from the fall as we are about here in the uh, in the final PGA Tour official event of the 2018 calendar year. Anything else we didn't we didn't hit last week? We hit everything except for if you look at the uh, average age, and I I haven't added. Uh, I guess this will change with Kucher. So I wrote this last week. Um, the average age of the first 
six PGA Tour winners was 29.4. No, excuse me. That includes, this includes Kuchar. This was updated. I didn't update it, but it was updated. So the first seven winners on the PGA Tour this fall, average age is 29.4. So under 30. And that's, I mean, the only, I think the only one that's been over 30 has, has been Kuchar. Everybody else has been younger than 30. The average age, so people are like, oh, well, of course, like younger players win in the fall because you get a lot of these web.com guys that play. Uh, you get, you know, veterans are like, just like, I'm out in the fall. But if you look at the average age last fall, it was 33.6, which was mm. just about four, four years older than what you're seeing this fall. And if you look at the regular C or the, uh, the, like if that was fall of, what was that, 17. So if you look at the, the 18 part of that schedule, it got even younger than that. So I'm curious to see if we're in for uh, a 19 part of this schedule that gets, uh, if if the ratios are the same. If, if What if the average age winner this year is like 25 or 26 or something like that? I, I think, um, I don't know. I think that's going to be interesting. And again, it just speaks to what we talk about all the time, that golf has never been, I think, more competitive at the highest level. People disagree with that. Uh, and that's fine, but again, like if you know anything about capitalism, then it's just a it's just a reality. Have you been wanting to work on your golf game so that you can get to the top and also have fun at the same time? Well, guess what? You can do that at Top Golf. Adam Azer, uh, the, our podcast coordinator, he just had his first visit to Top Golf. He went for his brother's bachelor party. He said it was so fun and the highlight of the bachelor party weekend. He hadn't hit a golf ball in 20 years, and he had a lot of fun and definitely wants to go back. Uh, and you can have that same experience. But guess what? You can also get a lesson because Top Golf certified instructors want to make sure that you have fun, but that you also get that Top Golf experience. You can book a lesson today at topgolf.com slash lessons. Once again, sign up now for Top Golf Coach at topgolf.com slash lessons. Topgolf.com slash lessons. So Kyle, how about this? Uh, golfers are like quarterbacks in that they are getting more and more ready to contribute immediately once they're in. Yeah. They're getting better I mean, and they're getting younger. I think so. I, I think that again, going back to the the follow the money thing, like you, you're just getting. Uh, I mean, I've said this a million times, but like the more money is that there is in an industry, the better your younger talent is going to be. I mean, it just it just it flows downward into the junior, into college, into the junior ranks, into. I mean, it's just it's just a reality, and so yeah, I I think that's totally true. I think anecdotally, it's true. You've heard guys like Jordan Spieth and Justin Thomas, who are <laughs> veterans, quote unquote, uh, talk about that. How like, man, these guys are just like ready to win. Yeah. You know, look, look at look at this week. Like Austin Cook, uh, who's the defending champ of the RSM, he won in his fourth start on the PGA Tour last year ever. Yeah, that's an, that's insane. And you saw it with Cam Champ uh, two weeks ago or three weeks ago or whatever. You've seen it with Bryson. It's uh, I mean with Xander Shoffley. Yeah, Xander. I mean, if you're uh, I don't know even Tiger, and you're looking at all this, you're like, man, this is this is rough. Like this is different than beating like Rocco Mediate and and uh, some you know like some of the guys of of his generation. It's it's just 
this, these guys coming out of high school and college are freaks. They're so good because there's just more of them. I mean, there's there's more high level training at a younger level, and that leads to guys that are better at golf coming out of out of high school and college. Who do you think? Who who are the golfers that stand to uh, continue to find themselves at more of an uphill battle? You mean in terms of like older guys? Yeah. Well, I even look at somebody like, I mean, I thought it was kind of funny that both these guys won last week, but that 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 group that includes like, like the late thirties, like right. the Sergio, right. the Kucher, those guys, to where you're like, geez, like I've been doing this for so long. Like it's just, it's like any job. Like after you've been doing it for ten or fifteen years, like you have to go out of your way to find ways to get better. It's just harder to, to incrementally improve. And when you have people like, I guess I keep going back to camp champ, but like these guys that are making these, these leaps and bounds, these incremental improvements, it's just hard to compete with that every single week. Now the, the thing you do have, you have experience, you have mental experience, physical experience, all those types of things. But, um, yeah, it's, it's tough. I think we'll look back on winning three times in a year in this generation as, as kind of equivalent to winning like, like five or six times in previous generations. Like what Brooks Kepka did this year was astounding. Like it just, it's not going to happen very often. And, uh, I think we sort of underrate what winning two majors in a year means in this, in this era. Yeah, we will, but it's, do you know, I mean, we're going to underrate it here in the moment just because golf's giving us so many other shiny things to look at. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's, no, you're, you're you know, right. like Kepka's, uh, Kepka's season is both like astounding and worth tacking to the side and highlighting and spotlighting throughout golf's history uh, because of that crowded space that we talked about. But it's, it's also going to suffer in terms of the, the publicity and how much we talk about it because we're like, oh, yeah, cool, Brooks. So, and just turn our attention elsewhere. Yeah, what's what's Matthew Wolf doing? <laughs> I mean, I was I was about to mention Matthew Wolf is like, oh, so you mean when Matthew Wolf comes in here and wins three times? What are you going to call that? Because when he's coming wait. in, he's coming in and he's going to win. He's going to win twice in his first year. I'm gonna have my Des Bryant jersey on the the one from from Oklahoma State, oh, yeah. just run running laps around the PGA <laughs> Championship podium as he takes the trophy. All right, it's Matthew awesome. Matthew Wolf first 18 <clears throat> months as a professional over under one and a half wins. What if he What if he wins a major before Fowler? <laughs> have how how have you considered that? Have you considered that? No, I I literally just thought of it. You need to start would, considering it because it's definitely possible, and it might happen. It's, it's in play. I mean, he's, you know, I've said this on this podcast before, I think, but I've talked to people who are like, he's the guy. He's yeah. he's going to be the number one player in the world. And I'm too close to it, so it's hard to, like, you know, it's it's hard to figure all that out. But, yeah, I, I would go I would go over because I think that what you're seeing right now, so his freshman year, he's he's all American freshman of the year in in uh, NCAA golf. He's won three times his sophomore <laughs> year, three times in in uh, I think four or five starts. I, I mean, the, the, the and what I'm, what I'm, my point there is like he was already elite as a freshman, and he and he got a lot better apparently as a sophomore. And so if you're making an improvement like that 
from your freshman to sophomore year, which is usually when it happens, right? For college athletes, we see that in football, we see it in basketball. You you make this leap from your freshman to sophomore year, but he was already great and he's still making the leap. That's, that's really impressive. And I think, I mean, he could, he could turn pro at the semester. I don't think he will, but I think he could. Um, I hope he doesn't for Oklahoma state's sake, but I think he's that good. What's, uh, what are your thoughts for this weekend at Sea Island? Uh, I picked I picked Cam Champ. It's just I'm so just, fun right now. Yeah, I'm just here for it. I'm I'm in. Um, I I think that he, I think he's unique enough that it that he could be a really actually be a really big storyline going into 2019, even in a even in a crowded space that has a lot of storylines already. I mean, if he wins two times in you know, six starts this fall or whatever, and he, he's the longest guy on tour, all of a sudden you're like, oh, okay. I mean, we're going to see him hit like a 600-yard drive in Hawaii. I just, uh, I, I think, I, I have no idea about course fit or any of that stuff. I, 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 I'm just rooting for it. Like, I think it would be a really fun storyline going in, into 19. If we spit it into the air with our expert picks enough, it starts to happen. Did did you get any right this year? Any like straight up like of our Picks. majors? Yeah, yeah. I don't think so. You didn't have Frank at the at uh, Carnoustie. I did not have Frank at Carnoustie. <laughs> did anyone? I I mean I I think that I probably ca- cashed a couple of our top fives when we had to do our top fives in order. I don't like where the, one of the players ended up in the top five. Yeah. Uh, I I want to say that. I want to say I went a homer pick for Webb once, and he and he backed oh, it yeah. up with uh, backed it up with a, a strong performance. I think I picked one right out of like forty three events. <laughs> <laughs> I will say I almost had a walk off at the Masters though. I got roasted mostly by friends for picking Fowler to win the Masters, and I almost just bat flipped my keyboard in the Augusta National <laughs> Media Center. oh man if if you get banned from augusta i really hope it's for bat flipping your keyboard in the (laughs) augusta national media center at your friends for getting the right master's pick like like if there's a way to get banned from augusta that might be it. perfect yeah yeah all right so you're going uh cameron champ to win uh what about sleeps top tens who, who, yeah, do you, got, who do you like? I got Webb top 10. He's easily the best guy in this field. Um, I don't think anybody else has better than 20 to 1 odds besides him. He's 9 to 1. Um, he's had a great year. I, I know I keep saying that, and you know people probably, whatever, they're, they probably don't want to hear it, but he's been awesome this year, super consistent. I think you could argue it's been the best year of his career. Um, I, sure. Even though he won a major in a different year. Uh, I just I think he's been great this year, and then I I got Bud Colley as my sleeper. He's somebody who obviously uh, got into that uh, car wreck at the memorial in May. Uh, he he's recovered. Uh, he hasn't missed a cut. I think he's played three tournaments. Uh, he finished in top ten in in one of them. He's he hasn't he didn't play basically from May until the beginning of the fall season, uh, and he's been playing pretty good. He's fifty to one. He's got a ton of talent. And in a field like this, it's like, okay, well, who, who's more talented than Bud Colley in this field? Like, he, there's a, there are some guys, but there's not a ton of them. 
Right. And uh, so at 50 to 1, I, I think that's a pretty good number. All right. Nice. I don't. I can't. I cannot say for a hundred percent certainty that I'm going to watch much of the golf this weekend. That's a sad. That's a sad thing to admit. Well, I can't say with a hundred percent certainty that any of us are going to watch a lot of the golf this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what's? Have you seen the field? Yeah. It's. I mean, it's just. It's. You know. I hope Webb wins, but. You know. It's just, it's not great. Not great. Or, or, or Cam. That, I mean, but, I, but it's a great time to show off. I mean, JJ one, Spawn's the third biggest favorite. JJ Spawn. <laughs> CT Pan's tied with him. Those are your, th- those are your top four favorites. I'm here Web, for CT Pan. Webb, Cam Champ. CT Pan and JJ Spawn. I mean, I just I don't know what to say. Is my man Harold Varner in the mix? Uh, yeah, he's, he's all right. Give me give me Varner to win. That's my pick. Okay. Yeah, that's that's great. That's good. Let's go. Yeah, uh, I mean, it, it looks like I mean, honestly, like I don't mean this disrespectfully. It looks like a really good uh, web.com tour event. <laughs> that's. I mean, seriously, like yeah. these are all like web guys. Um, a really good one. So that now's a, a good chance to see him. Uh, he is Kyle Porter. You can follow him on Twitter at Kyle Porter CBS. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Kyle, thank you very much. Thanks, Chip. <laughs>